Welcome to our Making History Parenting Podcast. We want to help parents make his story, God's story, come alive in the hearts of your family. My name is Chase Baker, and with me is Jennifer Akers, and we are from Rolling Hills Community Church. Mm -hmm. And today we were able to sit down with Rob Fitzpatrick, and he's the director of the Children's and Teens Program at the Refuge Center. And we talked about a topic that I think is really interesting. We talked about becoming a man, and what does that look like? Now, I have daughters, um, but I know that one day my daughters are going to have boyfriends, yikes, Yes. and husbands. And so I want to start thinking about now, how can I show my daughters what a healthy guy looks like for them in their future? Absolutely. And obviously, I have a daughter. We talked about that before on the show. And, um, and yeah, you're looking toward the future. And mm-hmm. for me, um, I grew up with all boys in the house. It was my dad, three three boys, my poor mom who had to go through all the gross stuff and, you know, the middle school She's years, wonderful. the change. Yeah, yeah. So she is awesome. <laughs> um, I love you, mom. We're going to talk a lot today about what's the stigma behind manhood, what's the, you know, um, from versus when, when I grew up. Versus now, what's the difference in man? What what direction are we going in? So this is a big conversation. So today we're going to pick up this conversation about manhood with Rob Fitzpatrick. All right, today we have Rob Fitzpatrick again on our our podcast. We're excited that you are here with us again. We're grateful for all the refuge does in our community, and and today we're tackling a. a a pretty big topic it comes in relation to those who are raising boys. So, mm-hmm. so how do we raise our our boys? How do they? How do we raise them to become men? Whether you're raising a boy or have a daughter that's one day going to marry one, this topic really hits across all parenting spectrums, right? And I think that's important too to remember because, like, I I have two girls. I don't have a son, but. All the time, we're praying for the for our future sons-in-law. We're praying for the future husbands of our girls, and even the boyfriends of our girls one day. Which mm-hmm. is hard to even say those words, but to think the, think about the fact that there's going to be plenty of boys and men that are a part of our daughters' lives, and how do we support as a community these boys growing up into men that that are healthy and um, yeah. So just talking about that topic is a big one, even as a mom of two girls. I think it's really important. Yeah, there's really so much that we could start with in this relationship of manhood, becoming a man. And so I grew up, you know, I, I grew up with two brothers. Mm-hmm. So it was my poor mom and there's three, <laughs> three men, four if you include my dad, boys in the house. So man, she is, yeah, a lot of testosterone. <laughs> man, I love my mom. She's a saint for putting up with us all these years. Um, but really... I just want to start out by where are we now versus where we've been in the past in manhood. And based on our research, and even from my own experience, there's been some sort of shift in our culture that's happened, the view of manhood over the years. So so where do we, you know? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, it's a really pleasure to have this conversation because I think it is vital. And there's a lot of stuff that uh, maybe in years past was understood or maybe things that we've lost along the way for many different reasons but I think um, just as important as ever it's important to to understand what it takes to become a man and what what skills that includes and I think um, you know it's a, an interesting difference I think um, for young ladies they're always young ladies right until they're a lady and rightfully so but there's always been this idea of becoming a man and what do we grow mm-hmm. into and those kind of things and I think uh, you know in at a church, there's a really integral part of 
getting baptized and stepping into that and how do we keep that going and how do we do the things um, you know that make us feel confident in who we are and develop the right values and those kind of things so um, you know I know when I was here once before we talked a lot about community and I think one of the things in particular is there's a lot less people maybe speaking into young men's life in general so if we have those adults that are able to you know it's a blessing for young people to hear that but also, too, how do we make sure the right messages are getting there in contrast to maybe what we see on TV or on the Internet or uh, expectations that we're picking up from other young boys who don't really know what manhood right. is quite yet and saying, oh, well, this makes me tough or strong or whatever. And obviously that's uh, generally probably one of the worst places to, to get those yeah. messages. So we want to make sure we're getting the right things and the right information into these young men to become men and leaders of their house or their church or their community or whatever it is. We know yeah. no parent is perfect, but yeah. let's say we wanted you to paint a picture of what would a mom or dad raising a boy, what are some of the things that they would do from the beginning um, to try to help their son mature in a way that we, we want to see as they grow up? What would that, what would that picture look like? Uh, um, you know, a lot of that I think is based off of, you know, what the family wants as intentions, what kind of young people, but really we're talking about values, right? Because mm -hmm. things can change and times come and go, but what are the values that are gonna be integral to this family? And I think uh, one of the things that has been a big part of history are coat of arms, you know, particularly for European families, and there's things like respect or honor mm -hmm. or those, and if you were to develop one for your family or your young boys to kind of grow into, what would that would it be too overbearing? Would it be not enough? You know, what's that? But what are the values that really drive who we are as a family and who we want to be? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. I and my my dad, I um, who obviously had three boys, he um, as we grew, grew up a little bit, he kind of framed that. He he made this um, the frame picture frame for us and for every boy. And he has a paragraph. It's a long paragraph for every boy. Um, Scott, Corey, and myself as my brothers, and he. He wrote the characteristics of, like, you know, for me it was like passionate, and he mm -hmm. wrote all those things that represents him, yeah. and he put it into it represents us. He yeah. kind of that's the legacy that he passed yeah. down. That that's kind of what I feel like where we're going. Like we we talked about this last uh, one of the past episodes, mm -hmm. the last one we did together, is it um, this idea of looking with the end in mind? What do you want to instill? Mm -hmm. In our young men, as they as we raise them to become um, men of God that are passionate, that are pursuing Jesus, that um, that are doing obviously the, the right things, but but more than that, that they um, you know that obviously they're respectful and those kind of things, yeah. but they are latching on to this idea that that God has a big plan for their lives of be leaders in in their homes and mm -hmm. in their community and those kind of things. Um, now, recently, um, we kind of went back and forth on this, that, that we see by and large as a culture that guys tend to be failing at some things, Yeah, which is kind of scary. One of the things is socially, um, mm -hmm. another is academically, and the other is sexually. Can you talk a little bit about you know, the, the, that process that, that boys have taken from where, where we've been to where we're, we've come Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I think there's... Um a lot of influences, you know, and, and some are, you know, just a, a byproduct that was somewhat of an accident. You know, I think a lot of times we're, 
we're really encouraging of young ladies to um, do well in school and things like that. And sometimes we shut down the boys a little bit too soon or say like, oh, he's just a behavioral problem or those kind of things, you know, so how can we cultivate that? So maybe that's a, a bigger picture issue. How do we get more male teachers maybe or coaches involved in those kind of things? But um, on the other two, you know, socially, it's um, I'm sure you guys as well, when I go back to my hometown, you know, and we used to drive up and down the street, there was a touch football game going on, yeah, yeah. there was wiffle ball or something, <laughs> and now it's it's really structured activity or it's everybody's on the phone or everybody's on Xbox Live or those kind of things. We're not really connecting and developing friendships, and I think that's an important part. And then that extends as well. I think there's a couple things to go into just, uh, you know, romantic relationships or just being able to treat other people well. Um, you know, we get a lot of messaging from movies or the internet or whatever about um, men seeing women as a conquest mm. or something like that. And really that should be the furthest from the truth. You know, that's a very tough, weird conversation for even parents to have with a young person or, you know, how do, uh, you know, we as a church have our youth group leaders talk about this because that can be a very great, you know, how can we get that messaging out? And, uh, you know, a lot of it, there's um, an author and um, this leader that I really like in his name, his last name is Ehrman, E-H-R-M-A-N-N. And he has a book called Coaching from the Inside Out, but it really tackles locker room culture for young boys. And how are we, you know, are we in there being really braggadocious Mm -hmm. and doing all this stuff or are we good teammates? And it's, I think, those little things that are building up. And so to talk about how we um, just do the basic stuff, how we refer to other people, how we refer to uh, women as men, because our boys are listening and our boys are learning. Oh, that's how dad does it. Let me do it this way, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But whatever, you know, there's probably a number of reasons, probably a thousand reasons why. But whatever it is, it's kind of here we are. And we're at somewhat of a turning point. Let's let's help these young guys turn into the people we know that they can be before maybe it's it, it would never be too late. But before it's maybe harder and harder and harder, you know, if we can instill messages at the elementary school age, that's going to carry versus if we try to relearn something just like any anybody here, I'm sure, try to learn something at 25 or 30. It's it's a lot harder at yeah, that yeah. point. You know, how can we how can we uh, have these messages start from the very beginning? Yeah. When it comes to messaging, can you talk to us about um, effort versus achievement and how mm. I know we're in a culture right now where everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets an mm-hmm. award. But how how does that play into this topic that we're talking about today? Yeah, I, th- I think it, it goes hand in hand for sure. Growing up, I grew up in the Northeast and hockey was a big thing and I continue to coach uh, today. And just last summer, I was so at... So you're a Preds fan? Uh, <laughs> you know, and maybe as far as the Western Conference, oh, I could, okay. you know. Okay. Yeah. That's a hot topic. Yeah. That's another podcast. Yeah, yeah. But um, what we're finding is as a result of just little subtle things and actually things that are positive, we can end up discouraging someone. So the the problem is, and you guys have all probably seen it, people who work with young people, everybody's kind of quitting these organized sports at 14, 15, 16. It's like, man, what's going on? And one of the things, there's a, a psychologist, her name is Carol Dweck, mm-hmm. and she has this idea of fixed versus growth mindset. And how she found it was she took um, a group of students and they all did well on the test. And one part of the group, she said, you got an A, you must be really smart. 
the other group, she said, you got an A, you must have tried really hard. Mm -hmm. And then continue that messaging and followed it. And what you see is once somebody thinks I'm smart, it's like, I can't lose this. You know, I don't want to mess it up. You know, it's like a coolness factor or something like that. Whereas if we encourage the effort side of things, it's, it encourages us to try new stuff because it's really not the outcome. It's, hey, did I give my best? And so you just think about that. It's a subtle switch when, you know, your son scores five touchdowns or goals or whatever and say, oh, you're, you're the best on the team. Uh, well, what's the difference in the same tone, the same excitement, things like that? And say, wow, you tried so hard and I'm glad that it paid off for you. Oh, That's yeah. you know, we can encourage. So I think the challenge is with a lot of different topics, it's not this huge one big key or one magic bullet or something. It's a lot of this little stuff, these messages that we can kind of just be intentional about throughout somebody's childhood. And really, we could be encouraging probably to everybody in our life and really be a leader that way and, and do that. And then obviously our young people see us doing that and want to kind of emulate that as well that's good so it's fixed versus growth growth fixed versus growth that's good Mm -hmm. um okay i gotta talk about technology for a second because recently um saw something that said the average male before they hit 21 spend ten thousand hours on video games before they hit 21 now immediately whenever i i heard that i went to our student ministry team and was like (laughs) look, guys, this is what's going on. We need to create some sort of virus that impacts all of our, <laughs> our students' video games, and they can't play it anymore. So talk a little bit about technology and, and the, what, what's, what's it doing mm-hmm. to our young men. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's interesting just to somewhat have a history lesson because I think probably all the parents now grew up with some form of video games, right? But it was original Nintendo, and it was 8-bit and really simple, and yeah, yeah. you would always prefer to be outside. Duck Hunt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so much yeah. Duck Hunt you could play. Or if it was pour and rain, you'd say, oh, well, I'll play football, but I'd much rather be outside playing football. Right. Now, I mean, they have soundtracks. I mean, it looks pretty similar to actual game. If somebody comes, oh, like you're watching an NFL game, like it really sucks you in that kids would really prefer to be playing the video game than actually outside playing you know, football or baseball or whatever. So there's that part of it, but two, it's just the how, how much it takes away from and how, uh, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. There's so many, yeah. only so many hours in a lifetime. If we're talking about 10,000, we've gotten a little bit away from where it should be. So the, the best guideline that we have at the Refuge Center, it's um, this model called the Healthy Mind Platter, similar to the food pyramid that we used to have or choose your plate. And... Video games over the course of a day should be like uh, that small, tiny bit at the top of the pyramid back in the day that was like fats and sweets used sparingly. shouldn't be the protein. It shouldn't be the carbohydrates of the day, right? Right. Um, And so just the the time situation is a big thing. But also, again, if we go back to learning, if pretty much anything in our life is a learning opportunity – Right before your uh, your character is about to die, or right before your team is about to lose on a video game, what can you do? You just turn it off, turn it back on, you, you start back over, right? Yeah, you know. And uh, that's not how life works. Yeah. So it's a tough way to, uh, you know, we need to learn how to fail, and we need to learn how to fail well. And we hear all these stories of, you know, the guy who founded Starbucks got told no this many times and that, but. I don't think we're developing the resilience in young people to really go for something and really be passionate because this thing they do most of the time, it's, it's ready-made to just start over. Yeah. You know? So 
there is the reaction that you have of yeah. like, let's just get rid of it's them all. Create a virus. You know, I think there's... How do you even do that? Yeah. How do you know how to do that? There's a time and there's a place and it's probably a lot smaller than yeah. most people are using them and uh, something that should be, you know, downtime or just something that's a small bit of it, not, uh, you know, if most people who are in youth and uh, youth groups or things like that or leadership know that how do we get together? You know, again, back in the day how video games were, we'd all go over somebody's house and get around one person's right, thing. Right. Do yeah. Now you just kind of, you click onto the earpiece and you're on PlayStation with your friends or Xbox and you're, you're in isolation. World. Yeah, well that's that's another scary part too. Who are we talking to who's, who's influenced our young people, you know? Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up isolation because I think when you spend so many hours on a social platform or um, a gaming system, then you can't, you don't know those skills, those mm -hmm. communication skills. So, um, so maybe we're creating a generation of whenever they're out in public, they don't know how to mm -hmm. converse mm -hmm. with yeah. one another. Or if somebody says something that maybe you don't necessarily agree with, do you flip out on them and you start screaming at them in person like we do over the headphones? Or we say, oh, that's interesting. Like, tell me more. You know, yeah. how do you learn? You know, that's not something... You know, when you're a baby, I think a lot of times it comes back to what do we learn over the course of our life? And when we're a baby, we don't know these skills, right? And if somebody, if you're playing with something and somebody takes it away, you start crying. And you have to learn somewhere along the way how to be cooperative, how to play with somebody or how to work with somebody. And it doesn't just come up out of nowhere. Yeah. What are those things? And I think before that was on the Little League field or that was maybe in a classroom or something like that. And those opportunities seem to be less and less. So how do we kind of create this ability to work through problems for our young men? That's good. Yeah. We do mile markers here at Rolling Hills a lot. So we love to celebrate um, a kiddo getting dedicated or a kiddo moving into elementary school mm -hmm. or moving into middle school. Do you have um, some tips on specifically for boys as they're becoming men? Where, where stages happen within their life for a parent to recognize here's a mile marker, here's a time at around this age I want to have this conversation or around age this is my messaging needs to shift to to XYZ. Is there something that you think yeah. is good advice as they grow up? I think that can be so hard because I think anybody who grew up in a family with multiple siblings can be totally or if you have multiple kids at this age for so and so we're having this conversation and that's not the conversation for here, you know. So it's it's really person by person. But I think, uh, you know, we try to encourage people to start maybe somewhat before that. And um, one thing I really like to do is this idea, and sometimes I get it confused, but I think I have it. It's traditions versus customs. Mm. So a tradition is like each year we go to Gulf Shores or every other year we go to Disney World or something. And that's generally the pictures that are on our wall or from those trips and things like that. And they're really cool but we learn from the customs. Like mm -hmm. after church every week, you know, my dad takes me and we get ice cream, we just talk about whatever. Or on Saturday morning we do this and that's where we kind of have those conversations. And then I think we can use the more concrete things like going from elementary school to middle school. Okay, you know, that's not a big deal for us, but for a kid that's like, whoa. Yeah. Or, you know, things like driving or so on. But to be able to have kind of your finger on the pulse of what's going on for a young man and then take advantage of those, you know, it's, it's turning 10, it's turning 13 and those kind of things. Um, but you really have to know, you know your young guy really well and be able to kind of navigate that with your spouse and other people in their family.
because yeah, there's no uh, set. Okay, everybody does this at this time, which makes it really tough, I think, uh, for anybody that works with young people. Yeah. I heard a story about a dad recently who had a son and he spent, it was probably, I think, around when he was 11 or 12. But again, he mm -hmm. said, he, know, he noted that this isn't the same age for every kid. But he spent the summer, he had five um, family friends and mentors that he reached out to. And each one of them spent one day in the summer with that son, with mm -hmm. that child. And just gave, they just wanted, he wanted them, the dad wanted the mentor to give the son one life lesson mm -hmm. and one spiritual nugget. One, something that they wanted to have a takeaway. And at the end of the summer... All five of those mentors and that son and the dad got together for like a barbecue and just yeah. talked about what they had learned throughout the summer. And I loved that. But the mm -hmm. piece that I thought was so cool was every single one of those mentors was like, yes, count me in. I'm absolutely willing to spend a day with your son and and pour into him. So um, we just uh, we love the idea here of small group leaders and of community and of these outside voices speaking into both our sons and our daughters as mm -hmm. parents. But um, what are your thoughts on with when it comes specifically to raising boys? Like how how much of a part can these out these coaches and these teachers and these small group leaders play in those kids' lives? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it can't be overstated. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, you want to make sure it's it's the right person or people in your young man's life and teaching the right lessons. But you know, anybody that's had parents, you know, there was times that. And the last thing I wanted to do was listen to what they had to say. So this other person was saying the exact same thing, but I listened to them, right? You know, for whatever reason. Yeah. So how do you, you know, are we missing opportunities because, and I think um, that's a big vulnerable spot, you know, for parents, for dads, probably, right? Like I want to do the best I can and I want to teach them and I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Yeah. But somebody like who you're talking about to really see, okay, there's, there's value in what other people and other perspectives and let me, as much as it probably hurt, whether I admit it or not, step back and let somebody else come in and speak a little wisdom. Can't, uh, can't do it enough, I would say. You know? I think if I'm looking at my own journey, I had these, these guys that stepped in, in, in my life that were outside of my parents that made a huge difference. They mm -hmm. encouraged me. They said the same thing. It just, I heard it different. I don't know why. My dad's like, ah, I told you. <laughs> Um, and then this other guy, um, again, Mark Taylor, is mm -hmm. one I always talk about. Mark Taylor, he would, you know, he would be the guy that would sit um, knee to knee with me and just encourage me mm -hmm. and just um, paint this picture for me that I didn't believe about myself yeah. either. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like he yeah, would exactly. he'd say, "Man, God has big plans for your life, really." Mm -hmm. And and so I think it's really important to have another voice. Uh, and going back to like celebrations and, and mile mm -hmm. markers that we, we have here, uh, we celebrate the things that we value. Mm -hmm. And if we're not, of course, we can provide stuff for the church, and we do. We provide these these moments along the way, but there's so many more. There's so many more. And so actually last year, I went to my, my nephew's. He was 12, turning 13, write write a passage type of thing and so we sent him out in the woods late at night <laughs> it's like poor kid he's like a flashlight and um <laughs> and so he's trying to find uh, uncles there's several uncles there and mm -hmm. his dad was there grandfather and every moment he'd try to find us and he'd find us and we'd give him a, a gift and we'd speak words of encouragement we'd give him a bible verse and we just he would go to the next person we came back and prayed together over him it was really a sweet mm -hmm. time but but that can't be the only thing, mm -hmm. right? So if we're looking at rites of passage and we can't wait till we get a kid 12 to 13 years old, we're going to do something really big. At that point, 
it's not too late. I'm not saying that. You know, send them off well to manhood, mm-hmm. but it has to be way before that. These little moments along the way yeah. that leads to that that mm-hmm. moment, right? Yeah, and I think um, in my experience, I think the truth is, and I think what we see at the refuge center is young men are starving for attention. Mm. You know, and they don't want this big, you know, I mean, probably anybody would take this big trip or something, but it's not that we just want to connect. We want to connect with our parents. We want to connect with other people. And I think uh, that's the thing more often than anything else that's really uh, hard to counteract is everything happens so much in isolation. And everything, you know, we're so getting more and more disjointed as communities, I don't think you can give someone too much attention, you know? And I will say, I think um, it's a really tough time to be a parent. It's a really tough time to be a leader. You know, I think for so long we had the the John Wayne idea, be strong and silent yeah, and show them. And, uh-huh. and now you guys mentioned before, and then we kind of tried the, well, everybody gets a trophy and we're not going to keep score. And that one's not working either. So we know we're somewhere in the middle of these two, but we haven't quite figured it out. And maybe there's probably never going to be just a manual, but it's really, I think the encouragement for people is just, just try your best, connect as much as you can. And um, those are the things that will mean something for a young person, you know, to be seen, for somebody to listen to them, for somebody to pull aside and say, hey, someday you're going to do something really great me? No. You, you must be uh, you must be confusing me with somebody yeah, else. Yeah. Like, no. I'm telling you you're going to be there. And I mean just imagine the the key conversations like that that you've had along the way and how impactful they were and can we recreate that for for young men and have something that they can grow into versus just having to try to draw a map for themselves and figure out what this mm-hmm. means cuz they're getting these other bad messages from everywhere. How can we counteract that? It's good. Well, awesome. We are so glad that you stopped by today and we're on this, this uh, talking about this big subject of manhood. And um, again, we're grateful for you, Rob, and all the work that you do. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Uh,